Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Alright, Caleb. I have Caleb come up and read our passage this morning. If you want, will you tell them where to turn? Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And this is the word of the Lord. Okay. Anybody else read that and go, what? (laughs) Am I the only one? All right. Um, Here's what's funny is that I told, I I posted on the Facebook page the other day that we're going to make this uh, kid-friendly, kid-participatory even. So, uh, guys, I'm, I'm referring mostly to like eighth grade and under. Not high school, you can participate as well. I just hold you higher accountable. <laughs> um, but kids eighth grade and under, we're going to include you in this, in this story, okay? Um, so, uh, let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever gone to like a, a super cool birthday party? Well, if you're old enough to remember... Birthday parties? You guys remember those? Remember when there were birthday parties? Um, have you ever been invited to like like a super cool birthday party? And, and once again, John, uh, eighth grade member. Yeah. I still remember. Age wise, yeah. No, that's no. All right. All right. Where? No, but uh, there's only one. Cece, where was that birthday party that was super cool? At a sleepover. You're to BFFs. Alright, and you just had a ton of fun? Cool. What? Alright, I bet you were lots of fun the next day. <laughs> Tula, what was your favorite? The trampoline park. Alright, anybody got to go to the trampoline parks for a birthday party? Yeah, those are cool. 
Well, are anybody else? There's only two people who have been invited to cool birthday parties. I know it's, it's thinking back a little ways. All right, Asher, where was yours? Okay, I heard urban air. And then you had pizza and drinks, they're set? Nachos. Nachos. All right. Yeah, um, there are, my, uh, my older son, Cooper, I remember he got invited to a birthday party one time that was at the City Museum, which is like the coolest place on the planet. Uh, and it's a place, even as a parent, that I like to go. And I just thought it was amazing. Um, my kids, all right, my kids, my younger kids showed me this YouTube video of Mark Rober. Okay, all right. You guys, you guys know, like, I have no idea who that is, but I have a feeling most kids, you guys know Mark Rober, right? All right. So Mark Rober invited this kid who, who, uh, who had had cancer, and he invited him, and he didn't know, he worked it out with his mom to do this surprise birthday party. Have you guys seen it? Raise your hands if you've seen this video. All right, I put it out for parents. You were supposed to watch it. And so he has them come to, it's all a big surprise, and they're going to set the world record for elephant toothpaste. All right, I heard elephant toothpaste. Okay, I don't know the difference between devil's toothpaste and elephant toothpaste. Okay, so... Regardless, or actually now, because it's 2020, you can say irregardless. That's an actual word now. That's how bad, that's how low we sunk. Um, they did this experiment. At the end of the day, it was this experiment to see how, how high they could shoot. What was that at the end? Devil's toothpaste? No. Okay. What? It doesn't automatically. It doesn't all right. at all. To how high they could so Basically, you pour chemicals together and it explodes in this giant foam. But he had this huge, cool, super birthday party that, like, where they were sliding into a pool that had a whole bunch of bubbles in it, and they had things you could jump in with bubbles, and they were, you know, like, shooting things at each other. I mean, it looked amazing. All right, so kids, can you imagine getting invited to, like, Mark Rover's super epic birthday party, and then going... Uh, can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> like being invited to this incredible thing where you get to go and have fun and all your friends are going to be there and you're like, I don't know. I have chores. <laughs> if any kid says that, raise your hand right now because your parents are going to take note. So we're going to look at this parable that we that we read this morning, and um, and I'm, I'm going to try to put it in, in helpful terms for you to understand. Okay. Uh, so the king is throwing a feast. It's a wedding feast. Now, uh, kids, I'm I'm sure like if we were to go around and say what your favorite holiday was, I'm sure it was Christmas. If you got this invitation, you'd be like that that excited. All right, no easy. I mean, you would probably do a bit of a celebration, right? So all of the kingdom finds out they got an invitation to the king's feast. And they basically ignore it. They're like, eh. 
They just kind of ignore that they even got the invitation. So the king is good and gracious and patient. And so you know what he does? You know, you know what I would do if I sent out an invitation to like a birthday party or a wedding feast and nobody responded? I would, I would cry. But this is what this king does. He goes, okay, maybe, maybe they didn't get it. Maybe they didn't understand really what was going on, which is ridiculous, because they did. So he sends out his servants again. And he goes and tell them, guys, it's the feast. It is, I mean, we're, we're, we're killing the fatted calves and the ox. We're going to have the best food. We're going to have the best wine. We're going to have the best dancing. We're going to have the best band. It's going to be in the courtyard. It's going to be epic. It's going to be lit. You're welcome. And, and here's what they do. This is the second go-around. One guy goes back to farming. Another guy goes back to business. And the other people are so irritated that, that they beat and kill the messengers. Okay. Now, hear me. This is a, this is a parable. This, didn't, this is not history. This actually didn't happen. Jesus is elevating this to like ridiculous levels. But can you imagine getting this epic birthday party invite and being so irritated by it that like you run in and grab stuff out of your garage and start throwing it at the mailman? <laughs> That's how ridiculous this has gotten. So in response, we see the king's judgment. We see his vengeance. This is not simply, like people don't even feel obligated to be there. This is not simply, I'm unable to attend, which back in that day, you find ways to attend. This is an all-out rebellion against the king. It's a literal, I don't care. It's a rebellion against the king himself. So much so that they're willing to destroy the king's servants. And so the, king, the king's anger burns against the murderers, burns against the people that have killed his servants, his judgment, his vengeance, for them not coming to a feast. And so... Jesus, again, escalates this to the point of ridiculousness. And remember, we're, we're far into this story by this point. And so he, he takes them out. And then you know what he does in response? After he takes out the, those who have killed uh, his servants, here's what the king does. He says, all right, here's the deal. We are having a party. We are having a celebration. And the foolishness of these people is their loss and really their judgment. Servants, go out to the highways, go out to the outer roads, go into the villages, go to the hungry, go to the thirsty, go to the marginalized, go to the lonely. 
and tell them we're having a party. Because you know who's going to come to a feast? Someone who's hungry. You know who's going to come to a celebration? Someone who's lonely. The king says, go get them. And they went, and I, and I love this, they found the good and the bad. And they came. I want to stop here for just a minute. Alright? A feast in the Bible, uh, and in, especially a wedding feast, that's apocalyptic literature. You guys know what that means? You know what apocalyptic means? It means like end of times type stuff. Right? The grand finale, the conclusion of all things. And so when you see in the Bible, when you see this idea of a feast, it's usually like the culmination of all things. It's the end of the story. And what, what God paints often as the end of the story is this giant wedding celebration, this giant wedding feast. Um, and so, when the king sends out the invite, in this parable, it's going to be naturally to the people that we would think of. The king's type of people, right? The nobles, the upright, the religious, the good. Now, in the text specifically, there's an application of Jew and Gentile. But in this parable, it's far beyond. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell you right now, I don't... I don't know that all not all of Jesus' parables are meant to be figured out. Some of them are meant to just disorient us a little bit, throw us off a little bit. I don't have all the answers to this parable. I don't know what this means. Um, but why would these people willfully ignore and turn away from something so amazing? Something so wonderful. Why would they do that? And then, and then the follow-up question that I find myself asking is, is that me? Would I do that? Would I ever end up on the short invite list of the king and then actually walk away because I had other things in mind. The parable goes on, and it gets a little bit more confusing. Um, I think we can navigate it once we get there. But it seems that once this party starts, the king comes and surveys the party, right? It, it, like he would walk out on his balcony and look over the people. And I'm sure initially his heart is filled with gladness, that it's a full house. And, and things are going well. Right? The, the, the chocolate dip fountain that he rented is like... It, it's Everything's going great. But then he looks over and he sees one guy that's not dressed in, in wedding attire. He's not dressed in the right clothes. And so the king goes and confronts him. Um, and he says, why aren't you dressed in wedding attire? And the guy doesn't give an answer. He doesn't say, well, I didn't know, or I, I didn't have any, or anything like that. He doesn't give an answer. Uh, he just stares back. And so the king has him bound <laughs> and thrown out 
essentially into hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, like Jesus kind of drops parables speak at this point and just gets straight to the point. Thrown out uh, into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we sit there and go, oh, um, that seems a bit much for not having the proper attire, especially, especially if the servants went out to the highways and the byways and went out to get the lowly and, and the uh, oppressed and those uh, in the margins, those who would not have had good clothes, and they went out to find them, and then one guy doesn't wear the right wedding attire, and he's, he's like beaten and thrown out. That seems a bit harsh. Um, I will uh, let me let me let me comfort you with this. Uh, throughout history, scholars have debated on this, and and, and it's confusing. Uh, so if you read that and you're like, "Wow, that's confusing," um, that's probably a, a fairly good place to be. But there is one other one other thing, which this is historical context, which I think is important and could be helpful. Uh, and I think this makes the most sense. So we're gonna we're gonna go with it. It was not uncommon at all in this day, for kings, when they are throwing parties and celebrations, and especially weddings, to not only provide the feast, but also to provide the clothing, to provide the attire, where you didn't have to worry about anything. They would generously and graciously give you at least some item of clothing, but more than likely an entire outfit for you to be able to dress royally and thematically and participate in the feast. That sounds weird to me, but it was not uncommon. Keep in mind, this is before like wardrobes and closets, and this is before people had all kinds of clothing in, in their general discourse. This, so this was not uncommon. And so for this man to get into the party and yet even there to be refused to be clothed by the king is just as much of an offense as ignoring the party altogether. To refuse the generosity of the king. And here again, it, it sounds, it, it's elevated to this ridiculous level. Why? Why would he insist on wearing his old clothes and his old rags? Because this wasn't a party for old clothes and old rags. This was a party for fine linens. Clean, new, washed, refreshed. That's this celebration. To leave the old rags behind. And he finishes the parable with this. Many are called and few are chosen. Now, the translation of this part, we have to be careful to not make Jesus sound too much like Paul. Um, this can be translated, um, many are called, can, can legitimately and honestly be translated as all are invited. And then few are chosen can, can easily and honestly be translated to not all will come. whole kingdom is invited. The whole kingdom won't, won't come. 
So what do we do with this? I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this parable has, uh, watching, watching, I mean, every week, watching the news of the week unfold seems to be a new level of uh, crazy and chaos. Um, but this week, sitting in this parable, it's been hard to step back and look at the world that we're in. Um, essentially, the promise here is if our faith is firmly rooted in Christ alone, our celebration will be rooted in Christ alone. If our faith is firmly rooted in something else, no matter how much it may look religious or good or upright or seem like kingdom affairs, to ignore the king's invitation is essentially to, to bring our own judgment. King's generosity went out to all the kingdom, and many refused to come and enjoy the goodness of the king. Let me just give a couple of application thoughts and then a practice. Cool? Everybody still here? Kids, you still with me? Alright, I got we, 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 we went up a little bit there at the end, but um There, there are certainly some troubling things in this parable to think about. Um, but, let's start with this. The Bible consistently, the end of all things, in Christ, the Bible consistently and constantly paints as a glorious celebration. The likes of which Earthly celebrations will not compare. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is your worst case outcome. A glorious celebration. I've heard, I've heard, you know, when I was growing up and, and people would talk about heaven, they'd be like, it's gonna be like a church service, you know, a worship service all the time. And when I was a kid, I was like, what else might there be? Is <laughs> uh, there going to be elephant toothpaste? Is that part of the worship service? Right? Um, that's whatever. If, that, if you're like, oh man, I can't wait for an extended eternal worship service. I mean... Where? Okay, what, what Jesus, what the, what the constant picture that Jesus paints for us in Scripture is this idea of a wedding feast. The end of all things. Now, that, that I can get into. That I can get into. Um, and I'm okay, like, like if it's fatted calf or, or Chinese buffet or however, I think it's going to be Chinese buffet because that brings the world together. If you've ever been to a Chinese buffet, it is literally every tribe and tongue. When you go into a Chinese buffet, it does bring the world together. But it could be whatever. There's going to be fish there. We see that, I think, in the resurrection stories. But uh, worst case scenario, this is the end of all time for those who are in Christ. Second part that I also think is, is good but tricky this invitation is not based on works. 
This invitation is not based on how good you are. In fact, what we see is how good you think you are may actually stand in the way of your response to this invitation. The worthiness of the people was not determined by who was invited, but by who responded. All were invited. A lack of faith produced indifference and eventual hostility and judgment. The presence of faith produced celebration. That's the second thing. Third, um, how do we know? How do we know in, in our hearts how we will, how we have or will respond? How do we know? Because I bet, I bet if we put these people out there, Jesus was giving us this parable. This is not the way we would draw it up. If we were shown a video or, or a picture of ten different people based on their appearances only, and said. Who of these people do you think are followers of Jesus and would respond to this invitation to the banquet? We, we, may, we may miss that. Just our preconceived notions of what that means and what that looks like. So how do we know in our own hearts? Um, I, told my, I told my younger kids this uh, parable, and they were like, yeah, I want to go to the party. I want to go to the party. And Jesus does give us that example as well. In a day and age where kids were not valued and important and marketed to, he said, hey, don't stand in their way. In fact, you could use some childlike faith yourself to respond like that. Um, it seems obvious. Well, yeah. Yeah, I want to go to the feast. And yet, and yet, we can get caught up in other things and lesser things. We can get caught up in distractions. Um, there are, it seems, numerous ways and counterfeits for actually delighting in the king himself. There's delighting in our own kingdom. Going back to farming or business. Uh, I, I want you to hear me on this. We are not called. I'm going to say this twice. We are not called to give up our lives for Christianity. We are called to give up our lives for Christ. Does that make sense? We are not called to give up our lives for Christianity. We are not called, we don't have to defend this kingdom. The, the kingdom has been secured and defined, and it will not fall. We have a good king. And that can be confusing. And yet, at the same time, that doesn't give us the right to come to the party in our own clothes and be like, I'm going to do what I want, look how I want, act how I want, and I'm going to be the God, and I'm going to call that Christianity, and you be my great enabler. We're also not given to that. 
We come and we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Jesus is our only ticket to the party. And in this parable, the only requirement is to be hungry. All right. So let me give us an exercise that we can do. Um, last week I gave uh, the uh, examine. And I don't know. I don't know if anybody uh, was watched online last week or what. But did, did anybody anybody try that? We did. I, I, I put on the Facebook page just a prayer of examine on a, on a uh, just walking through your day and examining. How did I? Where did I see the authority of Jesus? Where did I ignore it? Where did I embrace it? Where did I find that? Anybody? Couple. Maybe. Okay. Uh, this week is going to kind of move along those same terms. Um, I want to give you just an exercise to let marinate in your brain. Um, I think the biggest enemy of our day is distraction. That's everybody's like. And then watching all the cute dogs behind, behind me. Um, uh, uh, certainly, uh, distraction is a huge uh, enemy of our day. Um, and we live... It's easy for us to forget. It's easy for me to forget that there is a there is a reality a reality greater than the one right in front of my face. Right? It's easier for me to forget that there is a greater kingdom than this kingdom. Um, uh, so, uh, here's what I'm, and I, I gave this I gave this uh, to our our younger kids um, this week. How do we walk throughout our days and begin to take note of seeing the hand of God at work in the good and the bad? Do we sit here and go, this is a beautiful fall day? And and miss the giver of all things? Um... In times of need, do we go to Jesus with our need? In times of joy, do we rejoice in the goodness of God in times of joy? Uh, in, in being with friends, uh, do you rejoice? I mean, even here in this gathering, to rejoice in being together with God's people outside, once again, in, in a beautiful, like, three for three on weather, which... St. Louis is not a non-divine thing. How can we begin to see God in the, in the context of every part of our day? How do we remember that every part of our day... And I'm not... I'm not... Uh, I don't... I, I mean, he's in every one of the small parts of our day, but I'm not talking about like... I mean, you know, God in, in, the, in the chicken or fish... Discussions. Um, how do our hearts rejoice? Uh, I remember a guy uh, who wrote an article on, on why we pray before meals. Um, and we pray before meals not because somebody else in the restaurant, or when we used to go to restaurants, not, not because somebody else may hear us and go, oh, they're a Christian. We pray before meals because, because quite frankly, we're tempted not to. Quite frankly, we're tempted to go, I have 
provided this for myself. And yet when we pray, we recognize and yield all that I have. Good food is a gift from God. All that I have is a gift from God. So how do we how do we practice God's presence in every facet of life? How do we cultivate our hearts? How do we see the good and the bad in every day uh, and, and recognize the goodness of God? Um, how do we begin to cultivate a soft heart toward the king, toward his kingdom? How do we long for the day when one day we're invited to feast in the house of Zion, to rejoice at the king's table, to lift our glasses high. It's not a matter of just not sinning. How do we cultivate our hearts to long for that day and for that king? Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.